Hello, welcome to Positive and Negative. I'm Tristan Miller, the host of this program, and my guest this week is Michelle Hammer, who runs Schizophrenic.nyc, a company that helps out people who have mental health issues in New York City. We talk about her own journey of diagnosis and how she copes with schizophrenia. If you like this program, you can go to patreon.com slash wayward wordsmiths. Way and then word is in word, wordsmiths. You can also go to tristanjmiller.com to check out my stand-up dates. I do stand-up comedy. Hope you enjoy the talky talk. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing, I'm doing all right. Um, Michelle, um, I apologize for the state of my apartment and the background noise to the people who are listening to it because we are settling into the new place. But anyway, um, so basic, very, very basic question. Where are you from? I am originally from Westchester, New York, but oh. now I reside in Astoria, Queens, and very I am cool. loving it. Been there about seven years. It's, mm-hmm. it's turned into my new home. I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. Because that's not quite upstate New York. It's like almost, it's on the cusp, right? Well, well, if you're from the city or Long Island, you'll call it upstate. But people from <laughs> Westchester will never call Westchester right. upstate. We are the first county right above the Bronx, mm-hmm. right there. You can get to the New York City faster from Westchester than you can in many places of Long Island. So yeah. we do insist that we are not upstate, but many people will say we're upstate. Okay, okay. It's an okay. argument that will never end. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. And um, growing up, like, uh, what was your family dynamic like? My family dynamic? Yeah, like, I did, mean... Did you have, like, basically, did you have a good relationship with your family? <laughs> growing up, I think it was a bit rough, but yeah. I think at this point, we're, we're, we're doing better now. I yeah. mean, growing up undiagnosed, schizophrenic, super paranoid, kind of, you know, yeah. not doing well in high school, going all kinds of, for lack of a better word, just acting all crazy and nuts. Mm-hmm. You know, things didn't go that well then, but yeah. I mean, since post-diagnosis, medicated, everything like that, we're on good terms now. Good. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. And like, um, what was that like? Like, can you go into more detail about like what that was like as a young person not knowing what the heck was going on with you? I mean, being in high school is hard enough as mm-hmm. it is, but like being a paranoid schizophrenic, you like really think yeah. that everyone's talking about you all the time. You might hear sure. a whisper, but people are whispering about anything, but you think it's about you. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of narcissistic in a way, but mm-hmm. really you just, every time you think anything, you think somebody's looking at you, you think they're talking about you all the time. Mm-hmm. So you're just always in insecure and you never really feel comfortable in your skin and then you're trying to concentrate in class but you're kind of hearing voices in your head saying mm-hmm. I don't understand this this is so stupid or you're thinking about your friends you're thinking about everything else and you're not actually an- listening to the teacher therefore you're not going to do very well in school that all sounds like very difficult and, yes um when did it kind of get to a head there like I mean nothing really um was figured out well my mom tried to help me but I mean being paranoid I really pushed her away I mean so when I went to college you know I kind of things changed everything was good for a while and then I got like the voices in my head started again Mm -hmm. and then I realized that um all of the paranoia that I had about my mom when Mm -hmm. I when I thought she was trying to hurt me all the time I kind of started feeling that way about my current roommate and then I realized Mm -hmm. like this is something that I'm making up in my head. I made it up about my mom, and now I'm making it up about my roommate because I knew that my roommate would never do all of these horrible things that I was imagining she was doing, and that's mm-hmm. when I realized something wasn't 
right. I just mm-hmm. kind of knew it wasn't wasn't right because she wouldn't do this. Yeah. And then I I just kind of realized the parallel. So that's when I decided that something was wrong and mm-hmm. I had to get help and it just was a whole whirlwind of nonsense of trying to actually get help at that point. Sure, like that was difficult? It was difficult because, you know, you see a doctor, I spoke to him, I said like, you know, I, he goes, well, I told him I thought I was going crazy, I, I just want to be normal, you know, mm-hmm. then there's the whole what's normal thing mm-hmm. and it was kind of like he just, then it was kind of like a checklist, Do you mm-hmm. feel this way or this way or this way mm-hmm. and I kind of just wanted to get help as soon as possible so I found myself saying yes just to get just to get help. I yes, see. yes, yes. Uh-huh. So I got a misdiagnosis of bipolar uh-huh. and two pamphlets and let's set you up with a school psychiatrist. Okay. That's... So a misdiagnosis, yeah. the wrong medication, things didn't go so well. Yeah, how's that? Yeah. 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 Um, that sounds really rough. And so did you have to withdraw from college or did you keep plowing forward? I kept plowing forward. I, I In college, I ended up being sent to the psych ward three times. Mm-hmm. After the third time, I uh, they had put me on a medication. It gave me horrible akathasia, which is just like What's that? you feel like you're jumping out of your skin. You almost ah. want to like tear your skin off because mm-hmm. it's so awful. So that was like a worthless point to go to the doctor Mm -hmm. because I I even told the outpatient doctor that I had to see, this is what this medication is doing to me. They said, call the hospital. I called the hospital. I said, that's happening. He said, no, you have to talk to the outpatient doctor. And I was like, well, I'm stuck in the middle. Nobody's helping me. I Mm -hmm. guess I'm not taking this medication anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mom, can I go out tonight to ask your mother? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I found another doctor that put me on like a, a... a different pill, a different medication, mm-hmm. and it helped a lot. I just had to take it three times a day, yeah. and if it would drop off, then I would mm-hmm. suddenly in my head go, I don't need this medication. Yeah. I don't need it. It's stupid. It's bad. So yeah. I really had to get it right before the drop-off, which was mm-hmm. difficult. Sure. But, I mean, I had help of my, like, lacrosse coach and friends and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. I would try to time things in certain ways if I was going to go to sleep at a certain time. It was all – it was it was difficult. Mm-hmm. But things – once I graduated – college Mm -hmm. got the correct diagnosis got a better doctor Mm -hmm. got on different medication like I'm totally good now like Mm -hmm. it took you know from age 18 to age maybe 27 to really solidify what Mm -hmm. I needed to be on that that sounds good now yes good now but it took a long time to get there yeah I think that people don't like realize that people Mm -hmm. try to like come at me and they say things like oh, you don't really suffer from schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. You function too well. And I'm mm-hmm. like, do you know my journey? Do you know how yeah. long it took for me to get here? If you mm-hmm. want to see me a struggling, unwell schizophrenic, I wish you would have met me when I was 18. <laughs> sure. When I was unable to speak so well about schizophrenia. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, what did you graduate with? What degree? I got a, a bachelor's in graphic and web design. Mm-hmm. I got an associate's in business communication and a mm-hmm. coaching license in women's lacrosse. <laughs> That's amazing. That's yes. wonderful. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of like misinformation surrounding schizophrenia. Could you just kind of give a brief symptomology slash what what is that disease like? I mean, schizophrenia. It's more there's like positive, uh, positive effects, mm-hmm. negative effects, cognitive effects. I mean, mm-hmm. like positive, they don't really add to you. It's more like positive is like seeing things hallucinating, mm-hmm. things like that. Negative things are more like being catatonic or being withdrawn. And then okay. cognitive is like when somebody talks to you and gives you instructions mm-hmm. and you have no idea what they just said to you. Okay. You just don't understand anything. Interesting. Yeah, which makes working in the workplace very <laughs> difficult. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, when you're, told, when you're told what to do and then you're like, what was I just told? 
Yeah, no yeah. idea. No Bob, bosses really don't like that. Nobody likes repeating <laughs> things. So when so that was not a fun time. I'm sure not. Yeah. Um, and uh, Juno, did you? Okay, let me try this sentence again. Um, I'm assuming you've talked to doctors. Uh, do you know what goes on in the brain to cause all this? Like, have you done research about that? Or I, I, I don't know. I don't okay. know if anyone really knows what goes on in the okay. brain to cause all this. I know that my great-grandmother was schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. She was committed right after she had my grandmother. Mm-hmm. But that was, like, yeah. in 1925. So cool. who yeah. really knows about that then? Mm-hmm. I have a second cousin who's also schizophrenic, so mm-hmm. I, I, I have it there. So I have it genetically in mm-hmm. me, yes. Also, in like eighth grade, I suffered a concussion, oh. so maybe that too. I mm-hmm. don't really know, honestly. Okay. I don't I don't think there, if anyone knows the cause, who, okay. you know, who knows? Yeah. But those are two factors, possibly. <laughs> sure. You know. Yeah. Um, and then after college, I assume, you started this company, and can you tell me about it? Well, after college, I try. I, I worked in like the real world, right? Sure, sure. And I tried and I tried and I tried. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot of stuff, but like you know, it just never worked out. Like what I explained, the cognitive skills. Yeah. Bosses get frustrated. Also, taking medication at night that makes you sleep really like hard. It's really hard to wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. Getting in late, they don't like that either. Mm, turns out. So it, it just became to a point where I was like, you know what? I I've always wanted to tell my story. I've always wanted to help people and. These jobs are teaching me, but I really want to feel more fulfilled in my life. So I started my business, Schizophrenic NYC, mm-hmm. really just to talk about mental health, get people speaking. Just like one in five New Yorkers has a mental health issue, but there's so much stigma because nobody talks about it. Yeah. So like it, it just baffles my mind that there's so much stigma. So like mm-hmm. I, I sell my clothing, I have a pop-up shop and I talk to people. Mm-hmm. And when I say one in five New Yorkers has a mental health issue, so many times people will say, oh, one of them is me. Oh, one mm-hmm. of them is my friend. Oh, one of them is my family member. So it also, it's like, if everyone can relate, mm-hmm. it, it I just don't understand the stigma. I don't yeah. understand the stigma when everyone I speak to can, can relate in some way. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to do, which is, normalize mental illness start Mm -hmm. a conversation and make it more of a normal air quotes normal Mm -hmm. thing to talk about yeah yeah um and you so you have a bunch of different programs you do public speaking um what has your experience been like there public speaking yeah in general i mean well my first speech ever was at nyu very good (laughs) yeah yeah and i didn't even have i just I was I was talking with a um, a girl that belonged to one of the the Active Minds Club at sure. NYU. What is that? Active Minds is just um it's an organization about mental health that uh, they had different chapters at different okay. schools. So she reached out to me when we were talking, and then I was mm-hmm. like, oh um I, I I talked to like um like somebody that know I what's the word I talked to like an advisor or something mm-hmm. that I knew. And they said, well, offer them a free speech. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, sure, I'll offer them a free speech. Mm-hmm. So I did. Yeah. And they said yes. Uh-huh. And then I said, oh, my God, I have a speech <laughs> at NYU, and I don't even have a speech written. Oh, no. <laughs> so, I mean, I just went for it, and that's mm-hmm. what I do at all my speeches. I, I have a speech. I came up with a speech written. Mm-hmm. It's it, it makes me nervous, but I just kind of it's just one of those things. You mm-hmm. jump in, you go for it, and they mm-hmm. do pretty well. And people yeah. seem to really like it. So it's kind of like amazing. It's like all my life, I thought people didn't want to ever hear me speak, and mm-hmm. now for some reason, people come and they actually want to hear me speak, and it's like the most amazing thing. I'm like mm-hmm. pe- people want to hear what I have to say when like all my life people mm-hmm. were like shut shut up idiot you know <laughs> yeah 
Um, and then you also have all the um, all the t-shirts and all that stuff. How do you go yeah. about designing those and that sort of thing? Do you do that or do yeah, you? No, I, d- I design everything. I mean, mm-hmm. I came up with the idea for like the Rorschach test. It was kind of artwork mm-hmm. I was making. And then I was like, you know, this is something interesting I can put on a shirt. Mm-hmm. And I was just like thinking about it because like if you know the Rorschach test, it's kind of like a, the ink blot test that yep. the doctor will show to a patient kind of say what do you see. And I kind of had the idea that like if uh, – if like an unmedicated, unmedicated schizophrenic kind of looks at a plain black one, you're gonna see it from kind of a different perspective. Mm-hmm. So by switching up the patterns and the colors, everyone's forced to look at it from a different perspective, getting you to think differently and starting a discussion, because only through discussion can you really try to reduce or end stigma. Mm-hmm. So it's really just about starting conversations. Mm-hmm. And even just wearing the don't be paranoid, you look great shirt, mm-hmm. it starts a conversation, because they're yeah. like, oh, what is that? Yeah. And that's everything I'm trying to do is start a conversation about mental health. Don't stigmatize mm-hmm. it. Don't keep it in like a box. Don't mm-hmm. try to hide it. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Let's normalize it. It's yeah. really my goal, normalizing it. That all makes sense and is a good thing I would say yeah I hope so yeah um yeah and so you you've also been like from my understanding like featured on like BuzzFeed and a bunch of other stuff and how do people treat you when you are talking so openly about mental health is it do you find it a generally a positive reaction or a negative reaction what's going on there 90 percent of the mm-hmm. reactions I get are positive okay. and then 10 percent are negative yeah um there's one girl that always accuses me of lying about having schizophrenia interesting yeah uh, when I made the WebMD video and mm-hmm. shared it she claimed that I'm an actor and that I did research into schizophrenia and mm-hmm. that's what the video that's what I did in the video I see yeah does she, does she? have a diagnosis yes she does okay she's one of those people that believes that i i can't have it because i i live too well i see yeah yeah uh that's interesting um and how do you like how does that make you feel because you're not lying like it it, it just bothers me because Mm -hmm. i i should be you know people should be happy for my recovery yeah i shouldn't be put down for my recovery which is Mm -hmm. what i don't understand like do they want to see me when I was 18 and yeah. completely unstable, mm-hmm. you know, shouldn't I be, you know, I should be congratulated for what I've gone through and how I act now yeah. and how I, you know, live my life. I shouldn't be told that, no, You're not. how could you possibly be schizophrenic yeah. and act this way? It's like, why are you stigmatizing me? Yeah. Absolutely. And then I feel like that also adds to like the whole <laughs> stigma of it of like, oh, people with schizophrenia can't function as well. When like yeah. if you look at someone who can, then there's like hope for people going like I can live a normal life. Right. Like like I try to tell people yeah. that you can recover. You can mm-hmm. get to where I'm at right now. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not perfect, but I try to show the recovery and hope is possible. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I've always wanted to do. And ever mm-hmm. since everything happened when I was younger, I've mm-hmm. always wanted to be able to share my story I just wasn't ready at that point because my story was not finished yeah so finally getting to a point where I can share my story and I feel so confident and I can articulate it and then to get a backlash yeah, of negativity is like it hurts so much yeah. even though I say 90% is great mm-hmm. that little 10% yeah just hurts yeah I'm sure. it hurts yeah and like from a purely, and I don't mean to be glib about this, but from a purely logistical standpoint, you need someone who's like a little bit more focused and I, I guess, you know, quote unquote normal to do like public speaking and presentations. And they need to be like, I would assume more like higher functioning because at a certain point, people don't like 
they want to understand, but they also don't want too much of that. Like, it needs to be palatable for the public. And I yeah. feel like that needs to be, like, I, I guess, understood and go, well, okay, we have spokespeople and then we have everybody else. You know what I mean? It's like any other group of people. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, yeah. You have to have someone that can speak about it. Yeah. Compet- competently and confidently. Yeah. 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 If I can't articulate my ill, I, I can articulate schizophrenia. I, I know what's going on when mm-hmm. it's happening. I can feel when I have to take a certain medication. I mm-hmm. understand when it's not in me. I know what it feels like. Yeah. So I can talk about it. Mm-hmm. Years ago, I would just go, ah, I'm going nuts. I don't know what's happening. Like, you <laughs> yeah, don't yeah, want yeah. that as a speaker. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, and on that note, like, what does it feel like on a day-to-day basis? Like, if you pre- and post-medication, like, what's oh, that like well, for you? Uh, pre-medication, I'm pretty much just wandering around my apartment, kind of, mm-hmm. like, distracting myself, kind of talking to myself, walking around, mm-hmm. you know, pacing, pacing, pacing. My roommate used to be like, okay, take your medicine now, because mm-hmm. you're just pacing around the whole the whole apartment. Yeah. So I would just take my medicine then everything's fine, get my work done, it's all good. Mm-hmm. And then there's just the one at night that makes me sleep too much. That's okay. frustrating, but I kind of need that one to function yeah. throughout the day. <laughs> so it's it's just going to be what it is. Yeah, that makes sense. And so, like, um, I know there's, like, once again, a little bit of misinformation. Schizophrenia is where you hear other voices, but you don't go, or do you have a back and forth? I do, I do speak back, okay. yes. That's okay. why headphones really help, because it looks like I'm <laughs> yeah. talking. It looks like I'm singing along. Yeah. And actually, I got an email recently from yeah. someone that listens to my podcast yeah. that said, Michelle, a really good way for people not to think you're talking about yourself is if you get one of those Bluetooths, and, mm-hmm. and then people will think you're on the phone. Yeah. I was like, thanks for the email. I just use earbuds. Yeah. <laughs> What a great tip. Yeah, what yeah. a good tip. I yeah. mean, not, it's, it was nice. It was mm-hmm. a nice appreciative email, I guess, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and so uh, how long have you been doing that podcast? Oh, we're up to episode, like, 22, I oh, think. So cool. then that's 22 weeks. Wow, great. So that's yeah. new. How'd you get into that? Uh, well, Gabe Howard and I came up with a bipolar, a schizophrenic, and a podcast. Gabe, <laughs> Gabe and I... Just we're, we're buddies, we wanted to work together, and we kind of just came up with it. And mm-hmm. it's been a lot of fun. He's a yeah. fun guy to work with. Uh, we're two different personalities, and it's just mm-hmm. back and forth, a lot of banter. Mm-hmm. And it's just a fun thing to do, honestly. Yeah. Um, so are you specifically talking about like also like mental health stuff there, or is it about anything? Um, it's a lot of mental health stuff. It's a lot mm-hmm. of stories of our past. It's a lot of just opinions. Okay. Just opinions through the lens of people with mental illness. Okay. That, yeah. Yeah, that sounds really good. I'll have to have a listen to it. I know we, we touched briefly on this already, but going through the process of having a misdiagnosis and then learning what it actually was, can you just speak on that and how it felt and what that process was like with the medical professional system. Yeah. Because I assume it wasn't easy. Yeah. So um, I was misdiagnosed in college as bipolar, but I I kind of knew that I wasn't bipolar. Mm -hmm. I just, um, I didn't really want to find out what I really had. Mm -hmm. My roommates would, would kind of say like, who are you talking to? Who are you Mm -hmm. talking to? Who are you talking to? But I was like, 
No, 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 no. I'm not schizophrenic. Schizophrenic people hear voices outside their head, not Mm -hmm. inside their head. And I would say this all the time. Mm -hmm. But once I left college, I wasn't on medication anymore because Mm -hmm. my doctor was at school. Yeah. So I kind of realized, okay, I need to go see a doctor. I really know that I'm schizophrenic. And I finally saw, I saw a therapist that recommended me to the doctor and it like, Finally, it was like, well, you know, why did you do all those things? And I said, because I heard a voice telling me to do it. This voice mm-hmm. told me to do it. So it's finally like, okay, you're schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. And at first, I was like really bummed out about it. I was like, oh, no, I'm schizophrenic. Oh, no, no one's going to love me. So I go to dinner with mm-hmm. uh, three of my old roommates. Two of them, I lived with her four years. One of them was my was was one of their boyfriends who lived with us for a year, but I knew him for like two years. Mm-hmm. And I say to them, I'm like, guys, okay, I just want to let you know I found out that I'm schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. And seriously, the conversation went like this. Kate goes, I thought that's what you had the whole time. Mm-hmm. Hassan goes, that couldn't have been more obvious. <laughs> and Wendy goes, yeah, we told you that. <laughs> so I was yeah. like, okay. And I was like, it kind of really made me accept it. Because I was mm-hmm. like, if my best friends already knew mm-hmm. and were still my friends, why do I care what anyone yeah. else thinks because my best friends knew already cared di- already didn't care and yeah. liked me anyway so mm-hmm. if anyone else is going to judge me they can just fuck off yeah <laughs> that's a good it's an excellent attitude to have right uh yeah because it is more like you can't help what how other people feel about you you know yeah. that's true of everybody whether or not they're mentally ill just like fine um yeah whatever uh so like going back to like you said well no one will love me have you had a hard time like with romantic relationships and like because I would assume paranoia makes that difficult yeah I mean paranoia can can make it difficult you gotta like feel comfortable plus dating is always hard but mm-hmm. you know I haven't had that hard a time yeah really it hasn't been that hard Ooh. what I've noticed in New York is that everyone's got issues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. There's no normal people in New York. There really isn't. Everyone's got issues. Most people I meet, they're like, oh, yeah, I go to therapy. Or it's like, yeah, I take medication too. Like, mm-hmm. I I have not met a sane person in New York. <laughs> it's just a clump of neurotics. It really is. Everyone. <laughs> And um, you, you said you went to therapy, and like, what what sort of therapy is recommended for people with schizophrenia? I, I, I really don't even know. I just know it works for me. Okay. I, I did go to therapy just to talk to a psychiatrist, and okay. now I just talk to my psychiatrist. Okay. That's interesting. Okay, so like, they like they don't do like CBT style, like coping mechanisms or anything like that? No, no. I'm, I'm okay. not really into all that chit-chatty stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's just that's, just not my thing. That's fair. Um, and what was the process like once you started going on different medication? Like, because like my medications for bipolar disorder, I would assume similar but different than for schizophrenia. What well, was that yeah, like? I remember the akaphasia thing I mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That the thing is, when I told the doctor I mm-hmm. had taken those pills and it made me feel like I was jumping out of my seat, he goes, "Oh, that's akaphasia." Mm-hmm. So he's the one that told me that's what it was. Okay. And he goes, "So if you take this pill, it'll completely get rid of that." I'm like, mm-hmm. "Are you serious? No. Why didn't they give me that pill <laughs> when I was 19 years old? Uh-huh. Like that would have been amazing." Mm-hmm. So pretty much, I, I just I started with some anti-anxiety pills; those helped. Mm-hmm. But then I was trying to also work in those jobs, which were difficult. Yep. So it just kind of built upon, built on. Then I had a side effect because I needed something else. Mm-hmm. So it built up to seven medications. Two are for side effects, but honestly, I know that's a lot of medication. Mm-hmm. But that's what I need to function well. Yeah. So 
That's what I do. Yeah. That's if you want to, if you, someone's going to tell me go on less medication, I'll say sure. I'll stay around you on no medication, and then <laughs> see if you want to see how long you can stand to be around me. That's what you want. You want me on no meds? Let's hang out. Let's hang out when I'm on no meds, and then see how long you can last. Oh, that's because I think there is like a certain level of like. Because there's, like, that thing from, like, Nanette of, like, you shouldn't be on medication because, you know, art comes from pain, that whole thing. And, like, yeah. it's like, well, I'm the one doing it. Can you yeah. please just fuck off? Yeah, that's really funny. I'm sorry. I, how long did it take for you to get those right? Like, four years. Four years? Yeah. yeah. And was that difficult? I mean... I- it's difficult to figure out what works, what doesn't work. I mean, mm-hmm. some of them that I know that, like, friends have taken certain pills and they love it, but I took it and it made me sick to my stomach. So yeah. it's trial and error, of course. You're never mm-hmm. going to find the, the magic one that works on the first try. Yeah. So it, it's a process. It's never easy. But once you get it right, mm-hmm. your life can only change for the better. Yeah. So yeah. stick with it is what I would say. Because mm-hmm. I know the first medication I was ever put on when I was in college, I ended up flushing down the toilet and said I would never take medication ever again in my entire life. Mm-hmm. But that obviously did not, did not stay the truth. Um, so you were in a, a, in a psych ward. Yes. What was that like? Well, which time are you referring to? <laughs> well, can you rate them by times, like out of ten? Well, the first time... I was sent by the school. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, I'll be really honest with these people, tell them how I'm feeling, but I'm locked in here and I don't want to be here. And I met a girl that was in there that gave me like the best, worst advice. And she's telling me how she's in there. But then she goes, if you just tell them what they want to hear, they'll let you go. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll do that. <laughs> so I guess so that was my first offense. So I got out the next day at noon. Yeah. The second okay. time they were like, okay, well, this is your second offense. You're going to stay here for five days. I was there for five days. It was terrible. It was so boring. I was so bored. I was just trying to talk to the people. Talk. You just make friends with people. I was drawing mm-hmm. pictures. It was just so boring. The third time was also really, really boring. Yeah. And it's mostly like dudes in there and old ladies. It was uh-huh. so boring. And I was the only girl in there under the age of 50. Mm-hmm. It was just... and. I, it, it was like dating central. Everybody gave me their number. Let's just hang out. I'm like, this is so strange. It, they yeah. are weird places. They're yeah. just strange places. They, the thing is, like, you go there and, like, they treat you like you're actually, like, really sick because yeah. it's a hospital. But it's like, I'm not sick in bed, yeah. you know? Like, did you take your meds today? Like, I'm not a child. Yeah. Like, they don't have to say it like that. They treat you like your children. Like, lunchtime. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not a child. Why are you treating me like a baby? Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. They just yeah. treat you. And then they wouldn't let us go outside. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't go outside. I'm stuck in here. I can't run at all. Oh, we have that bike right there that you can pedal. Like, uh, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That sounds like it. Because I've... That helps me because in, whenever I've ta- thought about like being in a psych ward, it feel like there's that voice in my head that goes, "Oh, you just would get a break for like a week. That sounds nice." But it's also like I would I'm assume because like hospitals I think in general are boring, and that's why people do get so like depressed when they're in there and they're sick and you can't do anything because it's and like they wake you up at seven a.m. every right? day. Oh. They just wake you up at seven a.m. Jab you with needles. Mm-hmm. Give That's your blood good. for some reason. Yeah. I don't really even know. 
One guy woke me up one night and said, we need to take your blood. And I said, here, they took it from my hand. Ugh. Yeah. I, that's not pleasant. Yeah. No. I, it was just, yeah, they're like, we need to check your, your blood levels. See mm-hmm. what medication's in your system. Mm-hmm. Here's my hand. It mm-hmm. was just bizarre. I don't yeah. know. And um, you're talking a little bit top about how your relationship with your family is better now. Mm-hmm. And in general, how did they react and were they supportive? What was that like when they found, like, we were going through not only the stuff in college, but also when you got the proper diagnosis? Oh, my family re- reacted um, well, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not entirely sure, but th- they totally support me mm-hmm. now and yeah. everything. My mom shares all my posts on Facebook, so, <laughs> oh, that's so she supports me and everything. <sighs> oh, that's good. That's good. How difficult is it to, like, because since you've, I suppose you've never known anywhere else, but, like, how difficult is it to, like, navigate the amount of people here with with your particular illness? Because, like, I'd assume if you're in a crowd, does that exacerbate it or not? What's that like? I mean, I just live in my own little world. Okay. Because in a crowd, I th- they kind of say, like, um, I hear my name being called. Mm-hmm. That's what I'll see in, here in a crowd sometimes. Okay. I think my name is being called, or I mm-hmm. sometimes I'll like see somebody that I think I know, like my family member, but it's not them. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that will happen in a crowd. Okay. Do you co- coach lacrosse now? I used to coach yeah. lacrosse. Okay. I had some fifth grade teams. We did good yeah. like the first season, and then I had like the B team, yeah. and where we won our only game, our very last game, <laughs> we won, and it was like the biggest celebration <laughs> ever, ever. It was it was amazing. Yeah. I used to coach. I used to coach, but I um I stopped coaching when I when I started my business because I had to. I needed more time. Mm-hmm. But oh. coaching lacrosse was fun. Yeah, it was I a lot of fun. Um, were you open with the the kids about? Absolutely not. No, no, not at all. Not one bit. No, 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 no. Their their parents don't yeah. want to know that a schizophrenic girl is coaching them. Mother, the coach said the most interesting thing today. <laughs> she went, "I am diagnosed for years." She said. Yeah, um, that's fun. Like, do you play too? Do you want to start a league, a mentally ill lacrosse league? A mentally ill lacrosse, lacrosse league? league? Yeah. Well, I haven't thought of that. I mean, there's a post collegiate league in the city that I play on yeah. sometimes. I don't play it on it much, as much anymore, but mm-hmm. I was. But uh, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, we had a lot of fun times. Yeah, I bet. Um, and you run your whole business. What is your like day to day on? Like, I just as someone who's interested in also running a business, what is that like? I mean, it's it's pretty much I get orders, I fill, fulfill the order, I go to the post office, or I reorder from my girl who prints everything for me, get her mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. everything. I also do web design and mm-hmm. graphic design on the side as well for because cool. why not get extra money? Fun, yeah. fun, fun. Yeah. So I, I pretty much just do what I gotta do: fulfill the orders, okay, so refill stock, mm-hmm. mail things out, send mm-hmm. emails. Mm-hmm. The, the day-to-day business <laughs> stuff. Day-to-day. I don't have a boss, which is great. Yeah. Um, and you have a pop-up store where it is it all over? Does it change it, 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 it changes. The okay. next one will probably be at This Is My Brave event on September 24th at okay. Baruch uh, College. Okay. I will be speaking at that event. Oh, very cool. Yes. Very cool. I'm going to write the speech a day before. Well, or I already have it. I already <laughs> have it. I already ha- I just adjusted my speech. Everything has to be five minutes, so I adjusted yeah. to make it five minutes. I see. Do you have the one thing, like the one long one, and then you just cut and paste through, or what's? Uh, I mean, I have my long speech, and then mm-hmm. I, I just 
adjust it to mm -hmm. what it needs to be, cool. leave out certain parts that are irrelevant to mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say, pretty much got mm -hmm. it under control, adjusted, read it in front of other people. Mm -hmm. You just got to make it sound very genuine. <laughs> you know, making a speech. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be all monotone. Yeah. You just have to practice it a lot. Yeah. Um, and when you do those speeches, uh, what have been the best and worst reactions to them? The best and worst reactions yeah. to them? Yeah. Have people, like, thrown things at you or... <laughs> no, nobody's <laughs> thrown anything at me. I haven't really gotten any negative reactions. Yeah. The most common question is mm -hmm. always... I know somebody who's not doing as well as you. How mm -hmm. can they get to be doing as well as you? Yeah. And that's such a hard question to answer because mm -hmm. it took me so long to get to this point. But it's like, my friend isn't taking their medication. How can I get them to do that so they can be like you? Mm -hmm. And it's so hard to answer. A lot of things you can say is like, you know, have a peer talk to them, have a sibling talk to them. Because a lot of times when it's a parent talking to a child, they don't really like that. Yeah. So it's just such a hard question really to answer. Mm -hmm. You, you kind of just have to show it. It's so hard if you show them like when they're on the medication, do they feel better? But mm -hmm. then they might say, I was faking that when I was on the medication. There's no easy answer for mm -hmm. that question. Sure. The person that has the illness, they have to want to get better themselves and like forcing ideas, forcing thoughts and forcing everything on them is just kind of make them kind of you know retreat into themselves they have to really want to try to get better yeah yeah and that's what i did so mm -hmm. it's hard to tell somebody they how they can do it yeah if their friend or family member doesn't want to yeah when they just need an attitude change and that yeah. comes from that like that whole dale carnegie thing of like you're never going to convince someone to you you can't make someone change you have to convince them to want to change themselves exactly um yeah um what do you get paranoid about like do you get fixated on the same stuff or like because you were saying there was a parallel between you some you were par paranoid about with your mother and then also your roommate well it was like the same thing like in high school I, mm -hmm. I thought my mom was trying to hurt me not help me like she'd bring me to therapists and stuff mm -hmm. like that but I always thought it was like her problem not my problem she's yeah. got the problem not me she's just trying to hurt me or yeah. if I would see like newspapers on the floor mm -hmm. I thought she purposely put them there to like have me read the headlines or if something was on TV and I was watching TV with mm -hmm. her she'd I would think she put that on TV because of this, or she put that there because of that, and she's mm -hmm. doing this because of this, because of this, because just make up all of these things uh -huh. that she was doing, she was doing them to hurt me. Uh -huh. So in college, everything's fine for a while, and then I think my roommate is doing all of these things to mm -hmm. purposely try to hurt me, and mm -hmm. I'm like, wait a minute, no she's not. Mm -hmm. And so when you say hurt, do you mean hurt emotionally or physically? Uh, Like just both. Both? Both, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And so it's like, from my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, please. Um, paranoia is just like the most, like the highest tier of anxiety. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Okay. So if it's, it's just like the way, if because I, I experience anxiety, but I've never had like that level of like. Pretty much, you think everybody hates you. Mm -hmm. Everybody's out to get you, and you start thinking about your life. Like mm -hmm. my, I, this has happened to me. Well, after starting my business, I had. What have I done? Why did I told everybody I'm schizophrenic? Uh -huh. Why did I start this business? Everybody knows about me. This was mm -hmm. so ridiculous. Mm -hmm. What have I done? Everybody knows. Everyone's going to hate me. Why did I do this? And it just kept going around mm -hmm. and around and around and around and around. Then I took my medicine. Everything was fine. <laughs> 
That's fair. So that was gonna that answered my next question. Of like, how do you get out of that? You just take your medicine. Just take my medicine. Everything is fine. Yeah. So that's the, the from the the biggest takeaway I have. Like, if you were on medication, stay on it if it's working. Yes. Because if it's working, stay on it. If you think there's an issue, talk to your doctor. Yeah. If you're experiencing symptoms, talk to your doctor. Because I yeah. know people who are on medication but still experience extremely bad anxiety. Yeah. So maybe you think you should talk to your doctor about it a mm-hmm. little bit. Just kind of. Yeah. It's hard. Know? It's hard though getting that open with uh, a physician. I feel like like of just going oh because like the one time I was on medication I just kind of. I had a month's worth, and they were like, well, let's see if this works, and I didn't, and I didn't want to go back, because I didn't want to, like, bother them, or I didn't want to, uh, you know, because they say, like, it takes about two weeks to actually get it to work properly, so I was kind of waiting that out, but it's hard, I think, to be open and honest about how you're feeling with a complete stranger. All that being said, do you just not find that hard? Did you have to work towards that? Oh, I had to completely work towards that, yeah. How how did that go? it wasn't easy. It took a few times. I, yeah. I was trying to explain things, but I always, I had that feeling of like, why can't you speak right now? It's like, I feel overexposed, hmm. meaning I'm just paranoid. I feel yeah. like, I feel like I'm telling too much. Like I'm not supposed to be saying this much because like I'm not allowed to, but it was mm-hmm. paranoia saying, don't, don't say this. Don't say this. You're not supposed to say this when really, when you're talking to a doctor, you got to say everything. Yeah. But the paranoia in my head was saying, don't tell him. Don't tell him, don't tell him, don't tell him. But I was like, okay, this, 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 you know, it's mm-hmm. it's not it's not easy. And a yeah. lot of people that are like just put on medication for like a short time or they're trying it out, mm-hmm. there's also the pill shaming and the, the whole thing with pride and being on meds. They don't want to yeah. try it because they don't want to be put into that kind of a person. Oh, I'm a person who takes meds now. I don't mm-hmm. want to be that. Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, have you ever written uh, like articles and stuff like that, or yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, um, I've written for Stigma Fighters yeah. before. Yeah, what you read about? I think I, I for Stigma Fighters, I wrote about um, just talking to myself. I believe mm-hmm. just just what it's like when I talk to myself because, okay. like you know, everybody does talk to themselves in a sense, but yeah. it's not like how I talk to myself. You don't think they're you're in a different place in a different a different area, mm-hmm. just having a conversation with somebody. Okay. And that would something like it was on to that. It was just explaining how my visual hallucinations and delusions are just take over my life and stories mm-hmm. about times that it's happened. Like one time in college, I I had my computer in class. I sat in the back and I would just laugh. But the thing is, I was laughing in my head. Mm. And after class, the my professor approached me and was like, "So I see you laughing in the back of class. Are you?" laughing at me or on your computer I'm like oh no 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 I just do that (laughs) you know yeah yeah so it feels like you're completely in a different area like completely a whole thing I guess so but actually today before I took my medicine I was laughing at nothing and my roommate was like what 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 are you you laughing at right now and I was Mm -hmm. like oh I just got to take my medicine yeah 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 that's how do you navigate having roommates with that and I mean or do you only live with people you know no, they're fine with it. Yeah. They're fine with it, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's, it hasn't really ever been an issue. Interesting. That's great. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. Yeah, I have it under control. Yeah. So it's it's good. You would think that it would be terrible, but it's it's wor- <laughs> it's worked would, out well. It's would, worked out well. I wouldn't say terrible, but okay. But I know. One would think, I'm moving in with a schizophrenic girl. People are like, what? Yeah. What? 
I mean, people have that reaction no matter who you move in with, I feel like. True, true. There are much worse roommates than me. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> when she says yes, uh, you seem perfectly pleasant to me. <laughs> so you. that's good. Um, but yeah, like, man. I, jo- I want to keep talking to you. Okay. But I'm having a hard time. Because you once again, you just bullet pointed. You're so organized. It's great. It's almost like you've done speeches before telling people about yourself and where you come from and that sort of thing. Um, but you do, obviously, you do the drawing and does lacrosse help? Does physical activity help too? Well, well physical activity has always helped me throughout mm-hmm. my life. Like, especially in like high school, I would just run around like a maniac on the lacrosse yeah. field to, just to get out all of my anger and frustration. <laughs> I would just like elbow people all oh, no. the time. <laughs> all the proceeds from the thing go to well, it will have part of the proceeds. Yeah, a portion of the proceeds go to organizations that help out with like the mentally ill. Like, yeah. Like the Haunted House or like MHA, NYC, stuff and like that. What are those organizations? I don't know what they are. Well, Fountain House is a great community in New York City. It's like a clubhouse where you can join if you have a mental illness and mm-hmm. they can like put you in different sections. I'm part of the horticulture section. We just have the plants. We just kind of mm-hmm. hang out. It's like, it's just fun to hang out there. I like hanging out. And then they have mm-hmm. a an art gallery that's part of it and they have different themes for different art shows and you can submit and you can get in and then there's a party and it's actually really cool. I've met a lot of really cool people there mm-hmm. and sometimes I just go there I bring my computer and I just do work and I make chit chat with all the people that are around. It's like just a really cool place to hang out. Cool. So it's it's really awesome, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of like a community center but nicer. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun, yeah. Yeah, and what's the other place that you met? Just like another organization that helps out with mental illness. Okay, and is it specifically for people in New York as well? Yeah. Okay, that's good. Giving back to your community, that's... All in New York. Yeah. All in New York. A plus. A, a plus. plus. Um, what... I know, we've kind of... Little bits throughout the whole thing, but what's like the visit, biggest advice that you can give to somebody who is facing a diagnosis of schizophrenia? The biggest advice to give to someone mm-hmm. who's facing a diagnosis of schizophrenia is just like your your life's not over. Not everyone is gonna leave you. There's a lot of hope. There's recovery. Mm-hmm. Don't get down on yourself. Don't be depressed about your schizophrenia diagnosis. Mm-hmm. It does get better. You mm-hmm. will be on the right medications. You know, just don't feel bad for yourself. Mm-hmm. The future will be better. Mm-hmm. The diagnosis is the first step because mm-hmm. now you can be medicated for the right thing. Mm-hmm. That's great. And what are like little everyday practical, like the most pragmatic little things? Most pragmatic little things? Yeah, like well, on, on a daily basis. Daily basis? Just yeah. take your medicine mm-hmm. every single day. There it is. There it is. Yeah, that's smart. That's Because it is, I think, like what's also very... To me, what's been interesting about this whole conversation has been, like, I've talked to a lot of people with a lot of different diagnoses, and you're the first person that I've had on that has schizophrenia, hence my, like, what's it like? Yeah. Sort of thing. Uh, like, it's one of those, there, there's varying severity in all of these things, but it's really interesting that, like, the thing you need to do is be on medication. You, like, kind of, yes. in order to be healthy, you have to be. Yes. Whereas, like... I'm not, I have like as needed 
anxiety stuff, but I don't need to be because I'm lucky in that way. I'm not, like, yeah. bragging. No, no, I get that. No, I call myself a lucky schizophrenic yeah. all the time. I really do. Yeah. Michelle, that lucky mm. schizophrenic. I am. Yeah. I am. There's so many homeless schizophrenics all over yeah. the place, and yeah. I realized that if I didn't have my family, my mm-hmm. doctor, my friends, I could be homeless, too. Yeah. I am a lucky schizophrenic. I think about that a lot, too, Sam, because, yeah. like, there's that certain level of psychosis you can get with bipolar disorder, and you can True. easily just go, well, I don't need a job, and then you, you're yeah. fucked. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just really interesting as well that that, because a lot there's a lot of different feelings about medication, and just in general hearing someone going, no, it's what you need to do to be healthy, and it's good. It's a good thing. Is really positive, and I'm really glad that it's working for you, and it's just really interesting and really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you, like, talking about the home, how often do you think about that, and do you, because I know homeless people will be on the subway with me, and I will just get really upset if I can't help them, because I know it's most likely not their fault, and, like, a disparate proportion of people who are homeless are mentally ill. Yeah. And living in New York, you see it all the time. How does it affect you if uh, besides just thinking that you're lucky or is that as far as it goes? I mean, I mean, a lot of what it like started my business was that I, I had looked down the subway train and I saw this homeless guy talking to himself in yeah. the same way that I did it. And that's where I wanted to try to make a difference because I realized how mm-hmm. lucky that I was. Yeah. So a, a lot of that went into trying to start my business of giving back and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And it is upsetting because... And also people just get what they they see a homeless schizophrenic person and they think that's every schizophrenic person. Yeah. So I try to show people that's not every schizophrenic person. Mm-hmm. A person with schizophrenia can still live very well as long mm-hmm. as, you know, they have themselves under control and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's kind of it's just hard to balance when you have such as such extremes, but the people with the high functioning schizophrenia, you don't notice them you only notice the negative mm-hmm. so how do you really balance it out mm-hmm. so that's what i'm doing yeah starting a conversation mm-hmm. yeah and with the sentence starting conversation i think we should end our conversation yes but it has been very good talking to you and you very um enlightening and really interesting thank you and you can find me at yep. schizophrenic.nyc. There it is. That was the question I was going to ask you. Very Thank good you. anticipation. Thank you very much for being on.